Closed borders in the last year or so have forced many people to have enforced long periods away from loved ones living overseas. Social media, family Zoom calls and chatting on the phone all help to keep people in touch with geographically scattered relatives. Researcher, writer and anthropologist Helen Ellis knows all about having geographically scattered relatives. Three of her four children and five of her six grandchildren live in America, England or Scotland. In non-COVID restricted times, it would be a 16 to 30 hour flight to visit them. Drawing on her personal whanau situation and research, her book Being a Distance Grandparent addresses some of the issues and struggles when family life is so spread out. Kia ora, Helen, welcome. Good morning, Catherine. It's very timely, this book, isn't it? It is. It's a case of uh, good luck rather than good management, I'd have to say. Because you've been well and truly working on it, yeah, before last year's events. That's correct. And working on it, it's obviously got your personal experiences in there, but we hear from a lot of other people as well. Could you tell us a little bit more about how you've gone about it? Well, it started with uh, myself taking myself off to university as a mature student, and I decided to do a BA and then went on to do an MA on the subject because there was nothing out there. And I just decided that there were voices that needed to be heard. And uh, there's a very large percentage of distance grandparents in New Zealand because our children go and live overseas. And I just felt that they, they had a voice that needed to be heard. So it was the MA work that brought you all these examples that are referenced throughout the book and all these comments. Yes, and I've also uh, reached out to the greater global global community as well and, and networked all over the place, and that's how I gathered them. So it was a combination of the university work and uh, um, getting out on social media and other such places. About a million New Zealanders born here, living overseas somewhere, so that's a lot of people and a lot of families attached to a lot of people. That's correct. I mean, it's 20 to 25% of the, dist- of the grandparents here are distance grandparents. Can we talk a little bit about your uh, own personal experience before we go wider? Um, and obviously, I think you say somewhere in the book, we told our kids they could do anything, and so they did. <laughs> and, uh, and so, that, I mean, this is possibly the generation that really did spread it at pace out from New Zealand. And can you tell me a little bit more about how you've navigated things and how this helped you to think about and shape a more formal study and research? Yes, well, we've been doing distance, uh, my, hu- my husband and I have been doing distance parenting for over 30 years and distance grandparenting for over 20 years. So we were doing it when a lot of, lot of other people weren't doing it. And so we just did our best in between everything else that was happening and travelling and visiting. And it was through university studies and watching my kids' lives that I started to think there's more more to this story than just the story of the distance parents and the distance grandparents and I started to realise that there was um, a story of our children as well and how is it for them and do we know how it is for them so I started to plug into podcasts and read books and I realised that there were three sides to this whole distance familying thing there's how it is for us how it is for them and how it is for our grandchildren and uh, it's sort of led from there that the uh, the whole project it's very, very thorough. It looks at elements of how relationships work. It looks at critical times, for example, when bad news comes. Mm-hmm. It looks at guilt and worry, which are mm-hmm. understandable emotions from separation. Mm-hmm. It talks about key um, celebrations and events. Where would you like to begin? Where do you be- believe you've got 
some real wisdom to um, start with. Communication's another one. Finding the optimal time for different members of the family, right? Where, yes. where shall we begin? Perhaps <laughs> it could be building some good routines. Um, yes. Where do, we, where do you start with that when someone has moved overseas? Or perhaps if you feel like you're not having the relationship that you could be having? Well, I think if someone's planning to move overseas, there's an awful lot that can be done before they go. And I do appreciate this is at a time when there's so much they're thinking about, you know, planning, moving, housing, you know, schooling, etc. that they're thinking about. But if they started to get into a routine with their parents or grandparents about the time of the day that they're likely to phone or the day of the week, then that's really, really helpful to be able to do. Now, during COVID times, when we can't visit, we can't hug, which is really hard. I mean, it is a really hard gig for everybody. How we communicate, making the very most of every connection is really great. And one of the things that I wrote about is I call them the seven rich encounter strategies of communication. So we all kind of, you know, we do our best, but could we tweak that video call just a little bit could we rearrange who's talking and think about are we always doing group calls should we do more one-on-one calls these are little things that can tweak to just to make sure that every time that you do have a connection it's as fruitful and and as deep as possible Timing is very important. If you're always going to ring at a time that's inconvenient for the person at the other end, guess what? They're looking for a way out rather than being fully engaged. And this just requires some really honest conversations. Yes, I think this is something that everybody figures out pretty early in the piece um, because time zones are incredibly disruptive and it doesn't take long before everyone realises, well, it's got to be Sunday night, it's got to be Sunday morning, and, and that affects everybody's routines at both ends. You, you, you have to block that time out and work on the idea that most weeks, give or take, that's when you'll catch up. So people figure that out very soon, and I, I found that. Communication with different members of the family as well is very different. It's different talking to your daughter to talking to your son-in-law to talking to your grandson. And again, this requires those skills of parenting and those skills of grandparenting to to be applied from a distance. You can't necessarily read the body language, Mm -hmm. but you can think with the wisdom and perhaps have appropriate conversations to sort out what, again, is going to work to optimise those relationships. Yes, that's right. And I think there's also um, the, the consideration that, for example, kids are kids. You know, whether your grandchildren live down the street or on the other side of the, the world, some of them are really into their grandparents and some of them aren't. <laughs> and it's not, a, it's not something against them. It's not a bad thing. They're just, it's just their makeup. And that's just the same at, at the distance. And there are some people that are just really good to talk to one-on-one. You get so much more out of... You know, they give you so much more than if it's a group conversation. And and also you need to realise that every communication is not going to be super fabulous and you're not going to have this connection because you're tired or it's, you know, a bad time of the day or you had great intentions but something happened. Just as it is at home, you know, you might catch up with a family and have a family dinner and that was great, but the next one was a you know, turned to custard. The same thing happens overseas. So we can't expect every communication to be absolutely fantastic. Yeah, and some 
kids at a certain stage of life are going to be monosyllabic and doesn't matter whether they're here or there, they're going to be monosyllabic and you, <laughs> and you make the most of that. I am curious to talk a little bit more about the nature of those conversations. You make the point um, of making the most of them and not always, like, if, if you're negative, and this is the same again in a personal relationship, right? Mm. If you're constantly negative and talking about what's wrong and whatever and how bad things are, it, it turns people off. So again, is there a strategy across time zones to think, if I'm going to be here, I need to be the best company I can be. doesn't mean I can't raise things, but just thinking about the nature of the communication. Yes, I think that's right. <clears throat> I remember a writer on the, subject, on the same subject years ago said, are you a high-maintenance visitor or a low-maintenance visitor? And one of the things I've talked about, about language, especially from the parents and the grandparents, is I, I call it the, the three H's, the language of progressive acceptance. Are you level one harmful saying things like, how dare you take my grandchild to the other side of the world? What's wrong with this country? You know, that's not helpful. That's actually harmful. Or are you the next level, what I call the human, the honest, the understandable, and you're saying, I miss you so much. I can feel the distance. I just want to be there and give you a hug. That's best shared with friends, even though it is very human. But level three, that's helpful. That's where you're saying, this is your decision and I respect your choices and I'm proud of you and I'll keep loving and supporting you from afar. That is wisdom that will reap huge benefits. You make a very good point. When you need to offload, use your friends. They're stuck with you. They're here. <laughs> use your friends, right? Yes. And this is true of parenting full stop, actually. This, yes. this is not loading your kids up with your stuff. Yes. So where you need to express those feelings to your friends and then you're the parent or the grandparent, you're, you're the... Um, um, the positive one and the healer and the fixer um, in those other relationships and the supporter in those other relationships. Because what's happening at the other end too, Helen, can you talk a little bit more, as you say, the different perspectives that people in this relationship are having? And it may be that it's a couple whose marriage is struggling or it may be that one is feeling very lost and lonely in a new city, right? Or that they're having problems yes. with the kids. So how much of this is also about intuiting uh, what's happening at the other end, and again, being someone they want to be connecting with. This is very, very important because our children are not sharing, telling us all their day-to-day -day stuff. But I can tell you from all the research I've done, the number one emotion that what I call our distant sons and daughters are experiencing is the guilt, the guilt of the left-behind family. It never leaves them one moment of the day. So when we pour it onto them, that doesn't help them. They've made decisions to live there and they're coping with all sorts of things. And at the moment, most many of them are living in, you know, pretty scary places and we, we probably don't appreciate that. So I think being stronger back here is our role. We told them they can go and do anything, take on the world. That's exactly what they did then. So it's our job to accept and make it easier for them to build in your life. What are, the, some, what are some of the other real wisdoms that have come from the people you've talked to as part of this work? One of the most amazing conversations I had with one of my couples here in New Zealand, and it doesn't really apply at the moment because of COVID, but their, their son who lives in Europe and um, said to them, Mum and Dad, there'll always be an airfare. Now, what he meant by that was, whatever happens at home, if you really need me, 
you know, if, if everything turns to custard, I'll find the money and I'll find the time and I'll make it happen. That was one of the most powerful things that our children could say to us. And I can assure you that when they told me that, they were in tears because it was just such a powerful thing. And right now, it's not applicable because they can't come home and and be there for them. But just the fact they said it was huge, and it's a big thing to say. Is grandparenting different when you didn't know the grandchild before they were born? In other words, they weren't around the home and they weren't around your bosom, quite literally, (laughs) and they weren't around your cake tin. And do you have to be realistic about that? Yes, that's correct. If you're thinking of moving overseas and your children already know their grandparents' home and all the nooks and crannies and the sweet jar and all that sort of thing, they've got those memories. They've got the smells. They've got the experiences. And it is a different one. That, that Those children are born into another culture. Even if it's English-speaking, it can be quite different. And they don't know New Zealand in the way that we know New Zealand and we'd love them to know, know New Zealand. So you, you're absolutely right. You have to be realistic about what, you know, they can absorb and become involved in and become enthusiastic about. There's also loneliness, and is that something else that you may have to be realistic about? You've got these wonderful kids, you've got this wonderful family, but it's possible they are not going to be around you in the flesh anywhere like as much as you would like. And how do you deal with that emotion? Um, I call it emotions on a shelf. (laughs) There are emotions we have to deal with because this is our role. We're the parents, we're the grandparents, and this is our role. And we stick them on a shelf. Now, it's not that we're being in denial. There's just nothing we can do about them. And sometimes when you think about the future, you think, oh, how will that be? And it can be a little bit concerning. So, And sometimes as you go about your life doing the best you can to, you know, get on with life and take advantage of this time that you've got to yourself, every so often an emotion will slip slip off a shelf and you could find yourself rather teary or a little bit, you know, watery-eyed and or just having a plain old good good cry because you've remembered a situation or something's jogged your memory and you think, oh, I've had those experiences and... um, They can really take you by surprise. And it is concerning about the future, but, you know, you've got to live for today and and see how it is when the time comes and hope that uh, your lot will be okay. Tell me about rituals, which can be an important way of trying to keep up that contact. Um, We will talk a little bit more about visits home in a moment, but at the moment, at distance, we're talking about sort of rituals and not just the regular time for calling or how that's going to work, but bigger rituals? Well, we had um, just recently, our son got married in Chicago and that was a rite of passage as a mother of the groom I never got to experience. And he planned, they planned their wedding well before COVID came. And th- we had a, a live stream wedding at our home, <laughs> invited people and they came for breakfast on Sunday morning and we uh, telecast the whole thing. And it was absolutely amazing. And I have not... I'm regretful that we never got to Chicago, but I'm also very feel very blessed that we hosted this because it made such a big difference for other people. So these rites of passages, these big events, many people are missing them, 
and and it's hard. I was actually at a funeral yesterday and realised that we knew the chap who was filming it and doing the uh, Zoom link for all the people that were overseas. And they are rushed off their feet. They've got so much business now. It seems that every rite of passage is being telecast. And I think that'll be a change in the future, even if COVID tones itself down and we get back to a new normality. <clears throat> I think we'll be finding ourselves having more of these events telecast. But then rituals can be in very small things, whether it's food items, you know, people yeah, what's the fruitcake, the relevance oh, the of fruit the fruitcake to your family? <laughs> well, I'm no baker, but I do make fruitcake, and uh, and it's quite popular with some of them. And my little grandsons in the States uh, have been given this uh, English delicious thing, and they absolutely love it. So if we go over there, there's fruitcake in, this, in the suitcase, and recently a friend of my daughter's uh, visited and we sent a little square of it home that happened to be in the freezer. The kids went berserk, and it's, a, it's about the smell, it's the senses, it reminds you of another occasion. And while we can't spend thousands on airfares, quite honestly, the, po- the bill at the post office to send over those Anzac cookies is nothing compared to what you would be spending. But that momentary taste and smell and sense just takes you to another place. And it's all worthwhile. It's, it's terrific. In other times, there are the trips home or the trips to. Now, how important is this to get this right so that it's not something that ends up being dreaded but actually really underpins your ongoing distance relationship? Well, I would suggest to read my book. It's, there's a whole lot of hints and tips that everybody said, oh, my goodness, that's such a good idea. So that would be one suggestion. <clears throat> I think to go with realistic expectations, um, understand, try and understand how each other thinks. You know, if there's a daughter-in-law involved, this is a difficult time for her. She's treading difficult territory. It's it's hard. And think about it, plan it, tell everybody what's happening. Don't have secrets. Don't come home and, you know, the parents think that you're, you're staying here for three weeks. No, actually, you've booked a trip to the South Island for 10 days and you haven't told them. Be upfront. Tell them what's happened. Let everybody have a realistic idea. Can you? Do you want to stay in the house? Do you think you should live somewhere else? Find an Airbnb. Know your limits, and know you know, and be realistic about your expectations. Now, just looking. Oh, we've got quite a bit of feedback. Here we go. Um, here's one question: Are there lessons from this in communicating with siblings who are closer to assist parents as they get older versus the siblings further away? Now, that's a good question Ooh, because I could that talk can a lot. really become an issue. <laughs> yes, <laughs> um, <clears throat> the siblings will love my book because I tell everybody: treat your in-country family, your siblings, like gold. And never be the out-of-town expert with the briefcase. Don't fly in and tell the family what they should or shouldn't be doing for mum and dad. Because your siblings who are in town or closer, they have seen so much more. They understand so much more. So treating your brothers and sisters with huge respect is very important because it was not their choice that you chose to live overseas and then now possibly carrying a greater burden. So um, that's my advice is, is be kind to them. Don't tell them what needs to be done. Ask, what can I do and how can I do it? It really is the whole story about 
maturely projecting yourself into the shoes of everyone involved. Now, as you said, you don't have the immediate feedback of body language or someone just blowing up and telling you as it is, or someone else telling you how it is. Yes. You really need to think it through and intuit it to get it all right. So the first of three you're writing, Helen? Yes, it was never the intention, but anyway... <laughs> I, first of all, you know, I, I wanted to tell the, the, the parents and the distance grandparents' story, but then I realised that this is only one third of that story. We need to know how it is for our distant sons and daughters, what's really going on in their lives, and the same for our, children, our grandchildren. So my big humongous goal is that everybody reads every book and then they understand how it is, and with understanding comes empathy, and empathy is good for distance families. Thank you, Helen. Helen Ellis is author of Being a Distance Grandparent. It is published by The Copy Press, and you can find that online, copypress.co.nz.